Hello, and welcome to Making COP26 Count, a podcast series based on the FIMBIS 2030 webinar hosted by David Nussbaum and supported by ICAS, One Young World, and Chartered Accountants Worldwide. In this episode, David talks to Mavis Menu of Climate Analytics and co-founder and director of Oak Foundation Ghana, and Wen Yu Weng, consultant and strategist at FTI Consulting's Global Energy Transitions Practice. Well, our next speaker is Mavis Maynou. She's executive assistant to the CEO at Climate Analytics, but she's also co-founder and director at Oak Foundation Ghana, where they mentor women and girls in education, entrepreneurship and professional development. And Mavis is also a One Young World ambassador. Uh, Mavis, uh, taking account of the perspective of developing countries where adaptation is often critical, what, what can accountants and finance professionals do? Great. Thank you, David. And thanks, Sarah and Claire, for setting up the scene so well. Um, and I was fortunate to be in Glasgow this year for COP26. So thanks, uh, Claire and Glasgow for welcoming us. Um, I think there was, a, in terms of the outcomes of COP26, there was a lot of progress that was made on adaptation and climate finance in general. But unfortunately, there was very little progress on loss and damage, which was also another important uh, important uh, aspect for developing countries. Um, so as David mentioned, I work with the Climate Research uh, Science Institute, and we support vulnerable countries such as small island developing states, and least developing countries and the ambition um, in their efforts to push for ambition um, for climate action in the UNFCCC negotiation process. And I also am a co-founder um, of an NGO based in Ghana, where we are side education part that David had mentioned. We also promoting sustainable agriculture um, as a means of employment. Now, uh, within this contest or the, within the developing uh, country contest, just transition um, isn't as straightforward. And as we have heard from the introductory part from David, there are going to be losers and winners of the transition. And there are those that are being impacted more and there are others that are less impacted. There are those that have the resources and others that do not. Um, unfortunately, developing countries usually tend to be at the lower end um, as those that do not have the resources and at the same time very vulnerable to the impact of climate change. And also, um, interestingly, uh, the ones that have not really contributed to the missions and the reason why um, the climate crisis uh, and the reason for the climate crisis that we are currently experiencing now, um, many reports have also identified Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa, for example, as one of the most vulnerable regions um, for, to climate change. To put it in perspective, in Ghana today, uh, rainfall patterns are very irregular and the severe droughts that is ongoing that is really affecting agricultural productivity. And agriculture in Ghana contributes to 54% of the GDP of Ghana. So this actually makes uh, this an economic and a development issue. Uh, the other issue um, of this um, is the other issue is that also most of these farmers are smallholder farmers. So that means they are coming from rural communities and majority of them are women. So this also makes it a gender issue. So 
women are being more impacted or disproportionately impacted in the West African context or the African context when it comes to climate change. Now, um, what we are doing at Oak Foundation uh, is to reskill and upskill uh, these women, provide trainings, um, for example, help them to learn how to make soaps, how to do beads, so that their source of livelihood is not only dependent on agriculture. So that is one way of helping them to adapt to the changes that are already or the impacts that are already experiencing uh, in their daily lives. Um, another thing that we are doing also is providing um, new skills in terms of greening their cultural practices. So how can they practice the farming differently and in a more sustainable way? That reduces land use and at the same time also um, sustains um, the source of livelihood. The um, other thing that we are looking at doing is to support these women to go into agro-processing uh, so that they are not just selling the raw materials that is coming out of their, their farming activities, but they can actually add uh, go an extra mile by adding value um, to these products so that their earnings can increase. So these are some of the adaptation strategies that we are implementing uh, in Ghana through our foundation to support these women who are disproportionately um, affected by the climate impact to adapt to these changes. Now, the biggest challenge uh, when it comes to this work, it has always been, um, and for developing countries, has always been the lack of sufficient climate finance. Um, and finance in general globally has been heavily skewed towards mitigation. So that means that there's more money going into mitigation actions uh, at the expense of adaptation. And the ratio is somewhere 20 to 80. So there's about 80% of the climate finance that is going to mitigation and just 20% that is going into adaptation. But one of the wins of COP26 um, outcomes for developing country was for the call uh, for Dublin adaptation finance, which is clearly um, stated in the decision test. Um, so... And the other thing was also, um, I think as David mentioned in the introduction, the call for developed countries to meet the 100 billion climate finance pledge that they have placed many years ago that has actually never been met. But even with this 100 billion and with the doubling of adaptation finance, it's still not really enough to meet the adaptation gap. And UNEP, the recent uh, UNEP, UNEP adaptation gap report um, also mentioned that, that the adaptation gap is five to 10 times like greater. So the money that is needed, it's well, the money that we are receiving now for adaptation finance is five to 10 times lower than what is actually needed. So an annual um, 70 billion USD is needed for adaptation for developing countries. But what is currently flowing, it's somewhere between 3.5 to 7 billion USD dollars. So this is like really nowhere near meeting the, the needs um, or the finance that is needed for developing countries to really adapt. Now, what can chartered accountants or finance professionals do to support this sort of just transition or support developing countries to transition um, to a more low carbon uh, future. And there's many that can be done, uh, but I would just like limit it to two. Um, and the first point is that uh, it is clear that public finance is not enough. 
There's a clear need for private finance uh, also in, when it comes to climate finance and particularly for adaptation. And accountants and finance professionals can support this by promoting and allocating resources for adaptation work within the organization, uh, specifically for developing a country um, adaptation project. The other thing uh, that also happened uh, in COP uh, in Glasgow is, was the operationalization of the Article 13 of the Paris um, Agreement, which is transparency. Now the transparency framework calls all countries to use one reporting framework for reporting their greenhouse gas emissions as well as uh, providing information on the climate impact and adaptation. Now, these are skills that um, developing countries usually, or the civil servants uh, usually uh, do not have. So accountants can lend their skills or your expertise in this area by supporting and providing this capacity to governments and specifically those from developing countries on how they can um, they can make these uh, reporting, they can provide this information through the reporting frameworks that has been outlined by the Paris Agreement to help the countries uh, meet these targets. And at the same time, this also sort of um, is going to be a way of ensuring that countries are meeting the climate uh, targets or the commitments that they have set uh, for themselves. So it's going to be sort of an accountability measure uh, to ensure that both uh, developed countries are meeting the commitments and as well as uh, developing countries. So um, I think I would also leave it here now and um, yeah, wait for the panel discussion. <laughs> Thank you. Great, thank you, Mavis, for sharing your perspective and, and pointing to some of the difficulties faced uh, most acutely in developing countries and highlighting the example of how an NGO can support and initiate uh, actions towards a more just transition, thinking especially about the need for adaptation uh, as well as mitigation. Uh, and you pointed us to the role of accountants, which for some reason I think was not a main focus at COP26, but hopefully we can put that right. So finally, I'm pleased to welcome uh, Wen Yu Weng to the panel. She's a consultant and strategist in FTI Consulting's Global Energy Transition Practice. So that means she's working on low carbon energy and infrastructure, and she's also a One Young World Ambassador. Uh, when you, I know that ensuring there is a just transition to the net zero world is something that's of particular concern to you, especially as you reflect on the intergenerational aspects of the climate crisis. So tell us more, if you would. Yeah, thank you very much for the introduction, David. Um, keen to keep this relatively short, if I can. I'm sure everyone is excited to move on to the panel discussion. Uh, before I answer your question, I think just a little bit background about me, because I think this informs my perspective in addition to my professional experience. So I'm from Taiwan. I grew up all over the place, Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore, Bangladesh, and now working in London. It's a very strange path where I got into consulting. I actually started out my studies in medicine. And it was really the impact of climate change on health and epidemiology that got me interested in climate change as a problem and helped me realize that the widespread effects of climate change is really going to permeate into every single aspect of our life. My interest for the longest period of time has been and still is education and climate change. And for that reason, I was in education sector for a few years as a teacher. And the transition has been interesting because a lot of times when we talk about education, when we talk about learning, when we try and understand the potential of our society, 
we often conceptualize that automatically in the form of talking about children. And at the end of the day, the issue that we face with climate change is fundamentally not just one of technology or innovation, but it's also a lack of understanding, a lack of ambition, a lack of imagination. And the problem with that does not lie in children. Climate change is fundamentally an issue about education awareness, our inability to coordinate, our inability to be clear, our inability to imagine bigger. And I think for that reason, that's why I'm currently in my role. Um, the role I do at my job is basically twofold. One, I try to be a trusted advisor to our clients when we give them strategy, economic and financial advisory in terms of helping them invest and deploy clean energy technologies. So this is anywhere from renewable energy, for example, in the power sector, to electric vehicles, for example, in the mobility sector. The second thing I do is I help companies and organizations to clean their own houses. And basically, before you start talking about social impact, you need to make sure that your organization is also creating a positive climate impact. That means maybe being net zero or carbon neutral. And these terms mean different things, but most people don't know that. This is where uh, the audience comes in. I'll talk about that in a bit. But also potentially going beyond that to make sure that you are climate positive or carbon negative. Again, terms that have been thrown around, but not really scrutinized by those who, but uh, for, for those who claim it. I think at the end of the day, as an educator and former activist, there seems to be a tension for a lot of people in terms of what I do. But I think my role is exactly to bring that moral compass into the conversation with my clients, combine that with business and financial acumen to help them to try and realize what is coming down the line so they can do the right thing, not just for themselves, for their business case, for their investors, but also for their communities. And I think this is where accountants tie in because accountants are the trusted custodians and practitioners when it comes to the language of business. You're trusted when it comes to talking about valuation and the truth about the business. And the valuation and the truth about a business goes beyond financial reporting. The valuation and truth of a business tomorrow will go into talking about the sustainability, the environmental and the climate impact. So onto your question, David, I think when we talk about the just transition, I think we need to think about the just transition, not just in terms of the companies and what they do, not just in terms of the workers and whether or not they can have green jobs and how we accelerate them into reskilling to take up these green jobs, but also the broader picture of what's going to happen to our society. And I think a lot of times the just transition focus, focus on maybe, for example, which I don't complain about young people, there are going to be a lot of people of the older generation or certain socioeconomic demographics that get left behind. And on top of that, there's going to be whole new issues in the supply chain when the society we live in move forwards towards massive mining of minerals that are required to clear, create a clean energy world. What does that look like? How can we be accountable for the human rights violations there and the environmental damage from these mining supply chains? I think these are all important questions we need to address. For that reason, it's not possible for climate change just to be an issue of government, as Claire mentioned. It has to be an issue that everyone participates in. So I'll leave my comments there, um, looking very much forward to the, the panel discussion. Okay, great. Thank you, uh, Wenyu, for telling us um, well about your journey into contributing to tackling climate change and how your own professional expertise is now focused on that, but bringing a moral compass and thoughtful reflections on the challenges involved as, as well as technical skills. <laughs>